0: before we get into this episode if you enjoy the cricket mentoring podcast i'd love it if you could please take 60 seconds to leave a review as it helps us get heard by more people g'day legends and welcome back to the cricket mentoring show we've got a very special guest today again very lucky to have someone in the studio with us which i will introduce in a minute but firstly as always Senior mentor, Blake Reeds, next to me. How are you, Reedy? Yep, very good. Thanks, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And today we've got a very special guest, Georgia Wiley's brother, Teague Wiley. How
1: are you, Teague? Awesome, mate. It's good to be here.
0: We've just been having a little bit of bant off air um, about Georgia Wiley is playing for WA in the WNCL at the moment against New South Wales. She's just opened the bowling. It is Teague's older sister, so instead of introducing Teague as him, we thought we'd introduce him as George's brother. How do you feel about that, mate?
1: That's right, mate. You don't need sunscreen when you live in your sister's shadow, do
0: you? <laughs> oh, you've had that one before. Haven't you? <laughs>
1: oh, That's a beautiful start. So we've got the
0: WNCL on. Georgia opened the bowling for WA and bowled beautifully. Got the only wicket they've got so far as my mask falls down. So we're going to have to keep readjusting that in this COVID time. Um, got a wicket. She bowled well early. A couple of two, a few too many extras, unfortunately. What do you? How's it been for you, Teague, and the family watching Georgia go about her business and and develop her career?
1: Oh, it's been awesome. She's been progressing nicely over the last couple of years. I probably haven't watched as much as I would have liked to with all my training schedules and all that stuff. But it's awesome now just to sit back and watch her do her business and actually go pretty well. And as always, we've got um, our
0: big screen on linking into KO, so we've got the cricket on as we speak live. And on Reedy's laptop, he's been following the, uh, the uh, Marsh Cup final with um, WA against New South Wales again. So it's WA New South Wales in the men and the women. And WA had a big fight back,
2: Reedy. Yeah, they, uh, they were in Struggletown, it's, it's, I think it's fair to say. Um, none of the top order really got going, and I think um, it was great to see the, the tail wag for the WA boys. and um, They got them, or helped them limp to nine for 225, which um, with their attack, as we all know, um, from after watching a lot of WA cricket and um, the Perth Scorchers, that they, they're pretty good at defending these low totals. So, um, in a way, I actually think it's game on. What do you think, Teague? You've got your wacker shirt on. You've come from hitting at the wacker this morning, and you're you're in the
0: sort of in and around the group at the moment. What do you think about these WA boys? They're going to defend two two five against the Blues.
1: Oh, it's proper game on. I actually haven't seen what WA's attack is like um, or who they're playing. But you got Rich Show, you got Kelly, you know, Danger Man, who can take wickets up front. Um, but 225, from where they were, it's a very defendable target. And Absolutely. I think it's game on.
0: And I think probably the one thing that WA are lacking is a really front uh, high-end quality spinner. Obviously, Darcy, Short, and AT do a fantastic job. But Zampa and Sanger, bowling for New South Wales, did a, did a really good job and pegged it back after Marsh and Bancroft got them off to a, a decent start after losing two early wickets. So be interesting to see and we'll be following really closely hoping WA get up and win Western Australia their third title of the year after winning the WBBL and the BBL and our good mate Vogesy, it'd be good to see him get some more silverware but to start the show when we were here last week this time last week we had John Wells in um who offered a lot of value as always and we spoke a bit about at the start about the, the sad passing of Rod Marsh Australian cricket great and then that night later that night on Friday um the world cricket world was rocked absolutely rocked by the news that the king the great shane Warne had passed um and I, I i know you were shattered and, and sort of really rattled ready, which we'll talk about in a minute but yeah i couldn't couldn't quite believe it when i found out where were you when you found out teague and how were you
1: feeling i couldn't quite comprehend it to be honest i was walking down the beach with a couple of my mates and i got a message from a really good mate of mine saying Warney's dead and i deep down i was like You know, what has he done? Is he in trouble? Like, I could just go, oh, Scalzi, you're dead, mate. Like, you're in trouble, rada, rada. I end up going on Wikipedia and typing up Shane Warne. It said, the king of spin dead at 52. And I was like, are you serious? Like, even now, just talking about it in past tense, saying, like, Shane Warne's dead. It's it's absolutely unbelievable and still quite hasn't sunk in yet. So it's crazy. Yeah, I was actually at dinner um,
2: with the family. Celebrating um, my brother's graduation from uni and um dinner was all going fine and um we we're having a great night and then all of a sudden the yeah as before we we're about to leave we I sort of uh, went on to facebook and that popped up and like everything like my heart just sank in a way and like the the mood really really died and um i remember messaging scolzy that i was absolutely shattered and I, I um went back to my girlfriend's house and we i sort of stayed up for most of the night sort of um, scrolling twitter and um watching some highlights that it started getting showed on tv and all that sort of thing but um it just it just felt like um a part of your childhood was sort of ripped out in a way like it just is really hard to explain and um yeah a few tears were shed that's for sure watching watching all the the videos and um tributes and like I, yeah one of my most cherished memories would be um having the chance to watch him at the mcg take his 700th wicket i think that's probably a moment i'll you never were there f- that day yeah i'll never forget i was must have been like 10 9 or 10 and um i remember like the whole crowd were almost like they were standing on their chairs was um, it strauss yeah okay. strauss he got got clean bold and um the king stole the show as he always did and um yeah that's probably the greatest atmosphere i've ever been a part of
0: well it's just it seems like there's a common theme that blokes that didn't know him and probably many women as well but mainly guys that didn't know him but just loved cricket and watched him from afar i I never i got was fortunate enough to meet him very briefly once but didn't know him from a bar of slope but you watch him growing up and it really has rattled so many people even though you never knew him but that just shows the impact the bloke has had and you see sort of punter breaking down in tears when he was talking about Oh, that could be out. Oh, no, not out. Molly Healy, one of our athletes, struck a New South Wales batter on the pad. I thought that was out. Um, he really must have been a, a great bloke, and he was very good friends with Dimi Mascarenas, who's friends of ours, and, and, and um, Dimi's brother Shannon is one of my close friends, and, and he knows Warnie a little bit, and they always spoke very, very highly of Warnie as a, as a mate, not just as a cricketer, but as a mate. I know you were very young, Teague, when um, Warney was sort of at his, well, you weren't born when he was at his peak, and you were only a couple of years old or whatever when he was when he retired. What are your memories of him being a,
1: a little bit younger? Oh, me being the cricket badger I am, I've probably watched every Shane Warne video on YouTube there is. So, you know, just a massive potluck. Like, I actually bowled leg spin for a year in my juniors just because of how much he inspired me as a as a cricketer. Um, as Reedy said before, he just stole the show whenever he had the ball. Um, so it's still, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a, a
2: great, well, got me thinking that the legacy you can leave and um, have the impact you can have on people at every opportunity on any given day is um, up to you, really. It's a massive thing. Absolutely, and it's not just like what you can do on the
0: field and not all of us, well, not many people, if any, are as gifted or have worked as hard as Warren. I don't like the word talent, I've said many times, but have the ability to do what he did, but you can still be a good human and, and make an impact on someone's life and really try and better other people's lives, and that's what you'll be remembered for. Is, as much as Warren will be... All the highlights are played for all the fans, all his mates are talking about how good of a bloke he was, and, and that, to me, is even more important. Like, it doesn't really matter what we do on the field. Um, people love him... But at the end of the day, um, he's remembered by those closest to him for the the human he was, not the cricketer he was. And and that's a great message there, Edie.
2: Yeah. No, it's all just still hard to fathom, really. But um, we'll move on into um, some cricket that's been happening around the world. We've obviously had the Australia and Pakistan series, um, probably, yeah, a a quiet start to the series. It was a pretty mundane sort of game. And... um, there was yeah, lots of chat about the wicket not being overly um, great for the game. And, um, yeah, you can sort of say what you want about it, really. But, um, yeah, it was it was tough for the bowlers, that's for sure. So um, I think, I personally think credit to the Pakistan top order for still being hungry in that situation to really grind Australia out. And um, in particular, Imam al-Haq, I remember... Um, I watched him get out on 157 in that first innings, and he was filthy. And I think um, that's that's how it should always be. If you, especially young players, if you're in, just like you've just got to want to bat long, like the whole game, bat the overs out, you know. So, um, yeah, credit to them, I think. And um, there weren't were there hundreds in the Australian innings. Couple uh, fell short, didn't they? It was so been
0: ninety-seven, Warner run the Smith so, sixty, plus yep, so ninety.
2: That just shows, you know, you, yeah, you might feel in and um, all that, but you just you still got to make it count. And um, you're playing against Australia, like you're playing international cricket. And f- so for them to about that time and then not lose a wicket in that second innings when the pitch was even more worn out, I think it's, it was actually right? Well, I, I was listening to the commentary on the uh, Marsh Cup final today and Haddon and
0: Julian and Alan Border were talking about how they should have made the running Pakistan. They got in front of the game on day one and should have tried to win instead of just sort of grinding. But Teague, you said you loved it in that sort of Imam or cut Huck's sort of innings, 157 and then backing
1: up with an unbeaten 100. That's Wiley-esque. You'd have enjoyed getting around that, wouldn't you? I just love batting. So, Just being able to sit down on the couch for hours and hours and watch blokes go about their business and make big daddy hundreds. I love it. As boring as some people say it was, it was nice to sit down and watch a bit of a masterclass of batting in that condition.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't get to watch much of it, but I was at the whack of throwing ball fatigue this morning and and Jeff Swampy Marsh was in the net next door and he was saying how there wasn't a whole lot of reverse swing in the test match and that on flat wickets, if you can't make the ball move in the air... You're bowling to high quality players. Even if you've got pace, these players aren't really affected by pace, and you, you really need to make the ball move in some way, shape, or form. And from what else, I, from the little bits I saw, it looked like it was slow spin as well, so it wasn't fizzing and beating back players. Players were able to adjust their sort of swing to get to not get inside or outside edges, uh, not get beaten. So yeah, t- wickets were tough going, and I saw a stat that Australia took four wickets for eight hundred runs or whatever it was, six, seven hundred runs, and in over 200 overs of cricket it was yeah pretty dull reading
2: if you're a bowler wasn't it yeah no there's yeah no doubt in that like guys like pat cummins and that they toiled so hard and actually bowled really well to stem the run rate um for quite long periods of time um especially as well like i saw cam green was the same um but yeah i think there's positives to take away for both sides like i think the aussies Feeling a bit more comfortable in the subcontinent after not being there for a little while, um, is it's only going to yeah, it's only going to be more a positive thing for them down the track further in this series. Didn't um, Pat come and say that a draw was a win for Australia pre-test? Well, I, I didn't hear that one, but I think that's a great I, I point. I can actually Reeves.
1: see that, but you have got to think of the series long term, don't you? In regards to the run rate that Pakistan Pakistan scored at in the first innings compared to our our run rate, like Australia actually bowled pretty tight. Yeah, You know, people are giving Gaz a hard time, giving a few of the quicks a hard time. But for most of that innings, they went at two and a half run rate. Look at Australia's innings, they were going at nearly fives for a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. So we kept it tight, didn't give them much. It was almost just like setting the bowling machine up on fourth stump on a good length yeah, and having to make them do the work. Yeah,
0: Some... And that's a proper, that's proper test cricket. It's testing their mindset, their physical. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I've said to you, like I really enjoy seeing Australia get tested and um, I, I think it, adds so much more to the game um, underneath what you what we all see on the surface and what the media often discuss, you know. So the media want results and entertainment, but that's not what this game's about. And, um, yeah, you've got to look a little bit deeper about the ins and outs of what's going on in, in certain little moments of the game, I think.
0: That being said, that's you being a, a traditionalist and a proper cricket nuffie. I think to, for Test cricket to keep surviving, you need results like yeah and not even just wins and losses like that sydney test i think it was where it was the like it went down to lion bowling at the end and smith had to bowl the last over to jimmy anderson like it was a draw in the end but that was a proper quality test match where there were two results in the game three up until late in on the fifth day and i don't think you want to see too many tests like this um for the health of test cricket moving forward but as a traditionalist, yeah, it's nice to see these players have to dig deep and, and find different ways. From a bowling point of view, batting, they didn't have to dig very deep. They sort of yeah. could just hang in there.
2: But I, I think it is it is something you just have to accept sometimes, yeah. you know. So, And I, I think it, it does set up a great series. Like, batters are in form and bowlers are going to have to find a way and we're going to go in... I think there's every chance for Australia going go in with a different attack and well, um, some different
1: options.
0: I'd like to ask Teague, you're, the, you're now the chairman of selectors, Teague. Who are you picking for this next test?
1: I'm um, picking Schwepson to be. Uh, I'll pick two spinners. I reckon on those tracks you can't go in with one spinner. It's too much pressure on the quicks to, to bowl and 12 for that long. I'd um, bring Schwepson in for one of the three. That's what I'd do. Yeah,
2: I agree. Who with are you that. dropping?
1: I. Rest Mitchell Stark.
2: Brady? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd be the same, but they do rely on him with some um, <coughs> reverse swing if that gets going. So, um, yeah, I think we'd deal with Cam Green as the all-rounder. and Yeah, I think I think I'd agree. I think I agree. Uh, sorry, I've got a tickle in my throat, but I,
0: I think that Stark's got to play. <coughs> he, he offers a bit of variety, Especially, as you say, with Green, if you go Cummins, Hazelwood and, and Green, they're, they're all mm. so similar. <clears> so, <throat> excuse me, I, I think that Stark offers that bit of variety as a left armor, a different angle, a little bit of a different trajectory. Um, so, yeah, whatever they do, I think they've got to play another spinner. There was talk this morning that maybe they could play Swepsen and, and Agar and Green doesn't play. But, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't do that personally. I think you've got to pick Green. He's, he's one of the best batters, and he offers a bit with the ball. Um, so, yeah, test starts tomorrow. I think it'll be, yeah, as you say, another really interesting test. Now, moving on to the Women's World Cup.
1: Uh, Teague, you been watching any of this? I've been waking up most mornings and flicking it on to Fox Cricket to watch a bit of it. Um, probably not as much as I would have liked to, as I've, I've been pretty busy at the moment. However, it seems like the standard's been really good, and... Um, a few players are standing out and dominating on the big stage, which is good. There's been a couple of close games with the West Indies playing. I see they've had two pretty much last over or final wicket thrillers. So that's been really good promotion for the game of women's cricket.
0: Yeah. Well, we were in here the other day, Reedy. We, uh, you had it on. Um, England cooked it and then they got back into it. And then we walked up the road to get some lunch. England needed 40-odd off, sort of just over a run ball maybe. And then we, when we got back and you were like, oh, wow, they need nine off 18 two wickets in hand, the two batters on about 30, and then yeah. you were like, oh, no, and all of a sudden it was over and England yeah.
2: lost. Yeah, it was, it was interesting and a little bit unlucky in, in a certain way. Um, Cross and Eccleston. Eccleston were flying along and um, did a brilliant job to get their team back into the game, and um, Eccleston whacked one back at the bowler and the deflected onto the stumps, and Cross was just out of a ground, and that, that then meant... No, <laughs> Um, the number 11 was in and um, shrubs or I think it was maybe and um, yeah Eccleston interestingly took the single straight away and from there yeah, it took a couple of balls to for the spinner to get one through the gate and she was all over well that
0: makes it hard for England now 0-2 oh, and, and, and there was a, a really um, big win for New Zealand yesterday overnight I think um, beating India who are another powerhouse so It looks like Australia and New Zealand are the teams to beat at the moment. Both undefeated. Australia have had two big victories, one against England, one against Pakistan. Um, The Aussie girls seem to be firing. You're a big fan of one of the Kiwi girls, Teague. Who are you enjoying watching?
1: Amelia Kerr. She is unbelievable. She'd be up there, I reckon, in some of my favourite cricketers at the moment. I was watching her bat in a Pracky game where she got 100. And she used her feet down the wicket, split, cover and mid-off for four. She then got deep in her crease and whacked one behind square. And then she sog-swept one over mid-wicket. And I was like, that is unbelievable batting just in general, no matter what level. That I was almost in awe watching it, just the way she was manipulating the field against the spin. Basically did it so easy. Um, another one who I really like is Sophie Devine, plays a played a bit for WA in the Scorchers. She's just a brute force. And her ability just to whack the ball, pierce the field and... Get in the gap and get a boundary is unbelievable. Yeah, she hits them hard. Um, and
0: Amelia Kerr's always had big raps on. Her. I think she debuted at sixteen and got a, a big sort of one, big hundred. Got judges. a double She got two hundred and thirty
1: and a five for in the same game against Ireland. Yeah, 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 that's right. And yep. she was
0: only sixteen or seventeen. That's um, yep. that's about your age. That's your age now. Tiga was pretty good going. But speaking of one of your favourite players, India versus Sri Lanka, it was the Jadeja show. The rock star. Uh, Pant got India sort of off to, it was Coley's 100th test, we were here last last Friday with Wellesley as it was on, Coley got a few, um, and then Pant smacked them everywhere, got out in the 90s, and then it just
1: became all about Jadeja. Um, yeah, who is your favourite cricketer, isn't he? Oh, Jadeja is hands down my favourite cricketer by a long way, he is a rock star. Every time I watch him, it's just like, in my eyes, he's the king, he's so good, and um, I watched him in an IPL. He hit like 37 runs off one over, just hitting horns and hitting fours through gaps. It was unbelievable, and I'm just in awe of him. And the way he does his sword when he gets his 50, I wish I could do that. But yeah, the sword, man, I, I love that. In a way, I think it's it's pretty funny. He's got but a lot of um, he owns it. has
0: got a lot of Julio Alpha about him, which you get around, don't you, T? <laughs> Captain of the Julio Scalzi. So <laughs> 175 not out. Five for 41 in the first innings and four for 46 in the second innings. Nine wickets and 175 not out. That's more runs and more wickets than some blokes get in the whole season and he's done it in that one test match. It's What do we think? Is he the best all-rounder in the world right now? Let's have a little conversation. Who's up there in, as all-rounders in the world in world cricket and is Jadeja the number
1: one? I'm probably a little bit biased because he's my favourite cricketer, but you don't see many other people getting 170 and nine wickets in a game. It's, that's all I'll say. Ready? No. Who else oh,
2: Yep. Yeah, I think in terms of um, the impact that they have, I think Ben Stokes is always in that conversation. Um, He just seems to pick the right Mm -hmm. moments to do the job. Um, Yeah, who else? I think Ashwin, Ravi Ashwin. Yeah, Ashwin's in that as well, isn't he? I think
0: Jason Holder, who's batting six for the Windies at the moment, um, opens the bowling, and he's, he's in the Test match. He's incredibly. We're talking red ball cricket here, obviously, and. He's incredibly economical with the ball. Um, obviously, Cam Green's Australia's all rounder. He's probably not at that level yet. He's still young, but he could be anything pretty quickly with his ability. Um, people are talking during the Ashes about Mitch Stark being an all rounder because of the numbers he was producing. I would say he's obviously a, a fantastic bowler. His batting's sort of somewhere behind
1: Jadeja and, and Stokes and that, those sort of guys. But
2: Colin de was among the runs in the. Just, just to put it into soil perspective,
1: soil. I've just got the stats up then. <laughs> Jadeja averages more, averages one more than um, Stokes in test cricket and averages eight less with the ball. Well, there yeah, you go. Wow. That probably, uh,
0: well, yeah, that probably answers that. I was going to say Jadeja bowls on spin-friendly wickets in the subcontinents, but Stokes bowls on... Swinging friendly wickets in England, so and so it's. The the day, average
1: is thirty-seven with the stick in Test cricket and twenty-four with the ball.
0: I wonder what his average was prior to this Test. One hundred and seventy-five not out probably boosts your average by one or two, but he still played sixty odd Tests. Yeah, so you would I have thought wouldn't so. Go crazy. All right, that probably settles it. Jade's the yeah, premier we'll all-rounder. Shakib Al hassans probably in that conversation. Fantastic spinner, and um, maybe we'd have to look up his stats in a little while, but. England versus West Indies. We just spoke about Jason Holder, uh, Johnny Besto got a hundred for England. Um, we haven't been watching much of that on so late at night here, but Besto's had a pretty good start to twenty twenty two, hasn't he? He's got a hundred in Sydney. Um, was it Sydney? I think he got a hundred. Yep. he got recalled into
2: the test. Yeah, he's finally made it back in the side, and I think he, yeah, he's really proving to be someone that is carrying a lot of responsibility for that side, and um, it's a real good sign of a, a great player when they stand up in, in the, the moments where the team's under the most pressure and he seems to thrive in that situation and um, I think he might actually start really coming into his own with a bit more maturity in his game and um, seems to be able to control his emotions a little bit more I think as well. He's a bit more level-headed um, and yeah, I, I think yeah he's that was a serious 100
0: well, he's, he's always had the abilities. Been For some years now, he's been a fantastic white ball player at the top of the order in IPL and then for England. I know Tegan I sort of messaged about him about 18 months ago and you sort of thought he was below par as a test cricketer. And when you look at his numbers, previously he had six test hundreds in 75 games and averaged low thirty. So there was definitely, well, oh, it's a serious sweep. There was definitely some merit to what you were saying, but um,
1: he's certainly stepped up his game, hasn't he? Well, look at it now, it's quite weird to think he wasn't even in the, the test team four tests ago for England. He's been their premier batter in the last five or so games with Joe Root not making as many as he has in the last 12 months or and all that. But it really looks like he's got his head screwed on at the moment. He's got a good game plan against spin. He uses his feet well. He's starting to sweep a lot more than he used to. Um, but he's got his game pretty organised. And he's actually, the thing that impresses me the most, he's got ticker. You can see he gets in the contest, gets in the fight, and he, yeah, he's got, got a big art.
2: One thing I really enjoyed, actually, after that day's play, I saw a video of um, Zach Crawley stand up in the change rooms and um, in front of the entire group and speak, express how he felt about how good that 100 was. And um, it just seems to me they're trying to really turn things around in that team and um, get, get everyone on the same page and try and build... Um, a culture that, that can really take them forward as a strong group.
0: Just on that, like something that... So I went into the wacker this morning and, and threw some balls at Teague. Um, he was in there with Sam Fanning, another CM athlete who we've had on this show, and young Jaden Goodwin, who made his first class debut for WA a few weeks ago, or just prior to the, um, the Big Bash, I think. Um, and what was really, really great to see was these three young batters who were all in competition in many ways. They are all trying to fight their way into this WA side but they were chatting a lot, they were talking about each other's games and asking each other questions, and, and to me that's a sign of secure humans who are happy to sort of talk about things and, and share their knowledge, but also um, a really good culture, a really good environment where players are willing to share information and be open and honest and vulnerable and talk about their struggles. And what you're saying there about Zach Cooley, I think that's awesome because you want even your younger players to sort of be able to feel comfortable to talk to each other and, and sort of say how much they admire the senior players and those sort of things. So what I, re- I, di- I really enjoyed that from the boys
1: this morning. I think Goodwin was asking you about your trigger, T. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We were asking each other about our triggers, especially... I'm always intrigued with left-handers because it's such an angles game compared to a right-hander. They've got over the wicket. They've got around the wicket. I was asking him how his triggers change, you know, whether he he closes off more or he opens up more when um the bowler changes his angles or... And all that which i found quite interesting as you know it's completely different game when it comes to coaching left-handers because it's all about angles
0: absolutely you're a lefty ready you must agree with that
1: oh yeah there
2: there certainly are different angles um try not to complicate it too much personally um if that if the bowler goes around or something like that i might i might move across and cover my my off stump a fraction more but um and potentially target different areas um, terms of like hitting the ball down the ground you know so um but i think it yeah in that situation when you're around other guys like-minded guys like that like it's just such a great opportunity to jump in someone else's slipstream and you almost carry each other along you know so and drive each other and um yeah what a great opportunity they've got down there at the wacker to to do that yeah absolutely and those wickets were nice it was such a beautiful morning town the wacker and i
0: Young Teague is only 17 um, and doing some great things, and we, we think he's going to have a long sort of um, successful career ahead of him. We really hope. And I said to him, threw him a ball. He ran down and picked it up. and said, "How good is this? This is your office for the next 20 years." So um, <laughs> you are you must be excited to sort of be heavily involved down at Wacker. The the Shield Squad gets announced in the next few days. We're sort of hopeful you'll be in that. You've um you've done some good things for um in grade cricket, obviously in the World Cup. So. We're going to move into that now and talk a little bit about your experience at the World Cup and a little bit about your cricket. So take our viewers and and sort of listeners into the World Cup a bit. What was that like? What was that experience like?
1: The experience was really eye-opening. You know, we basically didn't know anyone in the squad. We got hopped on a plane together and flew to Guyana. Took 60-odd hours to get there. And then we got thrown into isolation for five days. First day out, we had to play a Praki game against India. So... We pretty much didn't know anyone and had to bond pretty quickly, had to gel. Luckily, everyone there was like, just a great bunch of people that it was so easy to get along with. Um, Ghana was, as I said, an eye-opener. It's a proper third-world country, um, not the luxury that a lot of the other part of the West Indies offer. Um, so just be able to go through the streets and see homeless, and it's a really big... Eye opener and gives you a bit of perspective on how good we've got it when it comes to that. You know, we've been hopped on a plane, free of charge, go to the West Indies and play a bunch of cricket and they're just fighting to get a meal, their next meal pretty much. So big eye-opener, um, but gun experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever need perspective, what the world's going through at the moment is um, offers you a bit of perspective. We all get very caught up in our little bubble of the world of cricket, but when you step away and see families walking for three days in freezing cold weather in the Ukraine to, to get to safety, and you see floods all around Australia and, and people now homeless, um, whether you snick off for a zero or, or make a hundred, can be sort of put into perspective, which is a really, really good thing from a, a good sort of uh, point of view from a young man, Teague. Now, you did well. Um, you did very well. You made the team of the tournament. Um, and, and just to give a bit of context, for those that... Don't know. There was no tournament prior to the World Cup being selected. The under-19s last year got cancelled or postponed till April this year. So when Teague says they hadn't met, he had played against some of the boys in junior carnivals before, but no one sort of really knew. They weren't able to bond. They weren't able to really have a training camp because of COVID. So it was all very different this year. But what were your expectations going into the tournament? You're a bottom-aged player, which means you can play for the Aussie Nineteens again next year. You had done well in grade cricket, but
1: uh, you've done well in second 11 going away. What were your expectations going to the World Cup? The results I got exceeded my expectations. I didn't go in there, you know, expecting to make heaps and heaps of runs or do anything like that. I was just hoping to play my role and play it well. Um you know a lot of hard work goes into it so to get the outcomes that i did you know it was, was great but it could have been so much better still like the, the game against afghanistan walking across and getting bowled if i just had to stood up tall and knocked it long on for one you know i'd probably still be batting now um <laughs> pakistan same thing that was i was probably a bit too um got ahead of myself there i should have just been a little bit more selfish and tried to bat a bit longer um but it was still a night it was a good tournament but I'm never satisfied no matter if I get 160 or I get a 20 I'm never satisfied and that's something we speak about and hear a lot about the best players and with our athletes
0: they aren't ever satisfied because they think that they could have done something differently and and like you say still be batting right now I remember we've spoken about it a bit but Marnus getting out in for 190 in the Shield final last year and he punched his bat because he was he was frustrated and disappointed and Like We spoke a lot before you went away. We had a conversation with Buck on on the phone when you were in the car with me about just trying to have no expectations and just go for the experience and the learnings that will come out of of it and and sort of being a bottom-age player. But then first ball of the tournament, nice back foot punch through point for four and never looked back from there. 86 not out in the first game and we were sort of singing your praises in here and there was a lot of late nights for me. Um, how was it adjusting to those conditions and those wickets? It seemed like from the naked eye you adjusted fine, but you and I were speaking a lot and about where you were scoring and how you are doing, and how it was different to grade cricket, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, very different. You know, we played a lot on faster wickets over here. Even though a lot of the grade wickets are still slow, they're fast compared to what we played on over there. Um, when we play on the wacker or on those pitches, I tend to score really straight through cover, round to mid-wicket um, when they over-pitch. Don't probably pull as much over here because of the faster wickets. You know, I tend to just duck and get out of the way. But on the slower wickets over there, my scoring, as opposed to being straight, squared up a lot because of um, how they were hitting the wicket because it was slow. I, um so just having to be able to adapt. My, um, my cut shot come out of its shell a lot when they started hitting the wicket and they got a bit of width. My pull shot come out a lot when they were starting to dig them in and bowl bumpers. Um, I don't reckon I straight drove one ball for four or really cover-drived a lot just trying to manipulate the field and get off strike and if they bowled a bad ball or bowled short, I tried to hit it. And just just on that,
2: um, certain shots evolving for you, Like we saw you sweep the house down um, against a couple of the teams there and um, whether you hit it or not, you just kept committing to it fully and um, that has obviously come a long way as we've discussed um, before, skulls. But yeah, what... What have you been trying to progress in in your game um, with spin in particular like is it just a sweep what's
1: what's what's your whole overall sort of plan there my plan against spins changed a lot it's it was a really weak part of my game a couple years ago the ability to rotate the strike and manipulate gaps and probably lacked a bit of a boundary option so that trip to india in 2018 or 2019 helped me a lot it really just gave me a sweep shot and gave me another option a bit of a get out of jail card when it comes to playing spin um, so that wicket against Pakistan, where basically every ball I swept, that was a result of, because of how much the pitch was turning, I was pretty much like if I stand up tall, one's going to have my name on it. I'm probably they had a first slip waiting to catch one. And it was pretty much like, if I don't sweep, I'm not going to score, and I'm probably going to get out because of how the pitch was playing. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to commit to it, stick to it. If it comes off, it comes off. And luckily it did that day.
2: And like you you're even going against the spin. Um, you were sort of changing your angles, going outside off, and then you you, you threw in a reverse as well that you smoked to a fielder. Um, was there with the? Do you sort of look for any anything in particular, or you you were just fully
1: committing and, and just trying to get anything on it? I was I was fully committing. The first thing I always pick up when I'm trying to sweep is is the length. If I see the length is basically not a yorker or a half volley. I'm pretty much going to sweep mm-hmm. it. I'll back it if I go down on one knee and it's even if it's chest high. I'll back myself to get my hands up and hit it. Yep. Um, where it's tough is when they over-pitch. So if I see it out of the hand and I see it's not a full toss or a half volley, that's where I'm fully almost head button it, trying to get out there and commit and hit it. And, yeah, it's
0: something you didn't really play two years ago, but to me it just shows your evolution as a player and how you're willing to try new things and evolve, which... The best players do and it will be a never-ending journey for you of always trying to evolve and become better and um, I think you spoke to me a number of times during our sort of sessions where you'd say I've been working with Swampy, um, Jeff Marsh coach at the Wacker about sort of not over committing with your trigger forward against spin and that helped you a lot so there was a big to, to see the end result during that World Cup was hugely satisfying for me having done a lot of work with you but there was a lot of work that went in on your own and with your your coaches and and me and whatever um, to get to that point. It wasn't just something that, I'm going to start sweeping. We've done a lot of work on your fundamentals of your sweep shot and making sure you did it regularly. And I think that's what what separated you and some of the other Aussie batters was your ability to to sweep and get off strike. And that made them have to change their length and bowl a bit shorter. You could knock it to the point sweeper. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, the sweep. I don't reckon a little many of the other players in that team swept a lot. Um, on those wickets, it's you just got to have that shot, I feel like it's just to get out of jail shot. It's um, and especially if you get your head over it and just commit, if you miss one, you're probably outside the line because of a, the way I trigger to when I sweep. Um, but you just got to back your ability and know, even if you miss one, that that's probably still my best option against this bowler. One thing one thing I admire about your batting and I think in the
2: commentary after one or two you sk- the first score you got I think um, the commentator said like he's not the prettiest player or something along those lines with your technique and, and then Graham
0: Swan thankfully said oh I really enjoy watching yeah, him
2: yeah I actually think he's good yeah. yeah Um, but that aside like it seems to me like you're not caught up in, in that you're just in, in, in the moment and scrapping um, and trying to win each contest um, as it comes and yeah, I think it's something that so many players can get caught up in is how they look and how they're hitting the ball. Um, but we see the likes of Steve Smith and that say he's more worried about his decision-making, not how he's hitting them. And um, I, I get, Is this something you sort, of, you sort of think much about? Like you, you miscue a few, you, you play French cricket for an hour or two if you're struggling, whatever it might be out in the middle. But um, what's, what's sort of going through your head? If you, if you have those periods
1: where it's a bit ugly... I, love um, it, man. Does any, I genuinely love through? it i'm in for the scrap um if i play and miss two or three times i'm, I'm happy because i'm not it's a day where i'm not nicking them you know it's, that's the way i kind of look at it if i shank a ball it goes into into a gap or something it's like it's my day that's yep. the way i look at it. it's the days where sometimes you're feeling really good you get a bit ahead of yourself and when you're seeing them like a beach ball you actually tend to nick the good balls because you yep. hit them well where if you're not seeing them quite as well and you swing and miss like that's sometimes the days where you get a lot of your runs because you're not necessarily seeing it as well. You don't nick the good ones. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, that's it. I, find, I always find the days I'm shanking them, the, the days that the, the runs just seem to come.
0: And, and that's such a good message for any young batters because I had a young guy, um, Teague Knows Corey Sweetman, come in the other night and he said how on the weekend he got 65 not out in under 15s. He's a bottom-age player, but he said, oh, I wasn't hitting him that when I sort of said, what's the message out of this? What do you learn from this? And it's like... I showed him the video of Steve Smith saying I wasn't hitting him that well after that Ashes series where I averaged 137. And I said, you don't have to hit them well to score runs. And what's the goal of batting? It's about scoring runs. It's about finding a way. And that's something you've done so well over the last few years is regardless of how you're feeling, like you say, Reedy, regardless of how you're hitting them,
1: it's often those days when you're not batting at your best that you just find a way, isn't it? Yeah, mate, 100%. Like... I, to be fair, when it comes to how I look at batting, I could not care less how I look. The only thing I get a little bit um self-conscious about is watching my head and effort falls over. That's the only thing I'm like, oh, that's so ugly. But apart from that, like, I couldn't care how I look. A 70-odd in the scorebooks doesn't... In 20 years' time, when you look back, it doesn't say, that was an ugly 70. <laughs> 70 is 70. Yeah, it
0: doesn't even... ten day, two, two minutes later, it doesn't tell you what it looks like. I look at a <laughs> scorecard and couldn't couldn't know what happened, but...
2: Spoken like a true grinders club, and that's member. why he's part of your right. grinders club, ready? Which will cap, <laughs> nu- cap number three, uh, as we mentioned earlier on in the series. But who's yeah, cap number one, Chris Rogers? Man, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the skipper
0: now, Teague. Something we've spoken about a lot, and you spoke about just prior to us going on air, is how things have moved so quickly from sort of three years ago, three years ago in February. You represented W8, the under 15s in Queensland. I was coaching the NT then. You had a couple of low scores in the first few games. And pretty much from then, you've just been on this upward trajectory. You made the CA under 16 squad at the end of that carnival after getting some runs in the last few games. You then played it in the next carnival, got some runs. First game in that 17s carnival. You played grade cricket. You did well. Everything's just been going beautifully for you. You went to the World Cup expectations weren't so so hugely high despite getting runs in 2nd 11, 200s in 2nd 11, your bottom age. You did well there. There's all this expectation now. And how did you deal with that expectation in the World Cup? After getting 86 not out in the first game, you missed out against Sri Lanka, got 100 against Scotland. How did you start to deal with the expectation that came with all these runs you're scoring? It's all white
1: noise, chum. All white noise. (laughs) I, I don't really care about it. All the articles, all this... Doesn't phase me. At the end of the day, when you're going out there and batting and you're facing a bowler, the articles aren't going to help you play a shot, are they? So just
0: so it's just about blocking it out, not like not giving it much attention, just playing cricket, and not getting caught up in the noise. Nah,
2: doesn't phase me. That's that's one thing I do notice about Teague. He's, he's very much his own man and goes about his own business and he's in his own world, well and truly, but in in the the best way possible. Um, and he he definitely isn't worried about what other people tend to think or might say. He's just a mandra boy who
0: wants to go to the beach with his dog and not get caught up in any articles or press or anything. I don't think he'll ever
2: take the mandra out of teeth. We've got to
0: keep that in him as he keeps to progress. Now, another thing that a lot of young players struggle with, and a big part of this show is trying to give value to the young cricketers um, who are listening and watching this, is dealing with low scores and, and sort of bouncing back from low scores. Now, as we've said, you've been scoring runs after runs after runs, but in there, there's always low scores Last year, we, we might go back to your grade cricket season. Last year, you got 100 in the first game. Uh, your first first grade 100 against university. You're on top of the world. And then so it came crashing down. You got three ducks after that. Now, we spoke about this when you you were our guest on our podcast previously. But you also, against Sri Lanka, you get an 86-not-out first game in the World Cup. You get out for six, I think, in the second game. Nick off to their opening bowler who was a spinner. How do you bounce back from those low scores and ensure
1: that you don't get into a rut? And what did you learn from that time where you got three ducks in a row? It's just a part of the game at the end of the day. Like, low scores happen. My dad's always been big on it, just like, oh, as an opening stick. You nick off early, so be it. Learn from it. You know, it happens. Um, even last year with those three on the trot, nicked one, kicked one, nicked one. Like, next day, if I'm not seeing it well, I play and miss at that, And I'll, or I... The first ball, actually, after I got out for that third duck was a long hop on the hip that Aaron got off strike first ball. So I guess it's just a part of the game. Like A lot of kids get so caught up in it. Like as you say, it's been a bit of a high point the last two or three years, but I had a point at the start of the season where I wasn't getting past 20 or 30. Like it's not all highs and lows. Like I just try and make the days that I get in, I try and make them good days. I reckon there's kids that have probably had more consistent scores than me but just get to 30 and then get out. Like, if you actually look at my seasons, like, I go 5, 10, 70, 3, 4, It's just the way it works. I try and get in and make it good. Like, I'd rather get out for 5, you know, getting a good ball than getting a 20 and playing a crap shot to get out. It's just it's the way the game is at the end of the day. It's just cricket. As we speak,
2: your sister Georgia's back on the bowl, hopefully... It's not Georgia widely back on the bowl again, as you said before. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice Yorker, Mitchell Johnson-esque
0: first ball. <laughs> There's cool. no love lost between the Wiley family there. As we say from Mandra, they're a beautiful family. They get on very well. They're very close. And John Teague and Georgia's dad is, a, is an excellent cricketer in his own right. Georgia's incredibly competitive herself. Um, and Georgia and Teague have a really good relationship. And just before we went on air... We were talking about Georgia bowling a few wides, and and sort of Reedy asked a question about it, and if they talk about that, and T goes, yeah, we call it Georgia widely. So there's um, certainly no love lost there. But Georgia's bowling well, one for fourteen or four point two, and in there there's been two no balls, a free hit that went for four, a couple of wides. So bowling
1: really, really tightly. I was can... saying to her the other day, like I think the first game she got one for thirty two off nine with ten wides. So you take away those wides, she's pretty much bowled eleven overs, one for twenty. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I yeah, see
2: where the nickname's coming. <laughs> yeah. She's bowling beautifully. She's
0: She's got a few little things in her action, and I know she's worked really hard at it over the years. She did have some real issues with her action, um, but she's made, she's she's improved a lot. She's now a really consistent, um, hitting the line of length when she does get her action right. And I, I sort of think if she can sort of have another 12 months of developing that action, getting a little bit stronger, she's, she's got the, the mental skills for this level, she's got the um, technical, the physical skills for this level. Um, she can just keep developing her technique consistently. I think she's going to be a fantastic... And she can bat too, we know that. So I think she's going to be a really exciting cricketer moving forward.
2: Now, Yeah, so- absolutely. So I think, Teague, going a bit deeper into your game again, I think, as we just spoke about, technique is and everything and it can look ugly, but um, what, are you, what are the sort of fundamentals that you've focused on? Um, obviously, for the last five years... With skulls, um, but then yeah, what are your what are your main focuses now? Every time you're sort of in the nets, or um, yeah, whenever you're grooving them, what's what's the what are you looking for?
1: I'm very big on when in the nets. I just love to see the ball. Like if I'm getting in a decent position, it ball nips and I nick it. At the end of the day, that happens. But as long as I'm seeing the ball and tracking it, I'm happy. Um, again, the only thing that I'm probably looking on in the nets and Sachin. Sachin used to do this drill where. He used to have four squares behind him and he, all he used to ask his coach was how many squares his head's going. Um, yeah, wow. So I'm not sure if he's heard of that story, but I really love it. Um, <laughs> so all I'm focusing on pretty much is my head position. If my head is straight, my eyes are level, I'm not falling over, my game's in a good way. Yeah, but, so, um, but it is in a good way because of you, the, the things you've
2: grew for a number of years with your underarms and, and that sort of thing. So what with, yeah, with skulls in those drills, um, what, is, what, is, what do you think has helped you the most in terms of sort of
1: your, your bat swing and all that sort of thing? Oh, the biggest one that skulls has helped me with is just my head not falling over. Um, yeah. In the second 11 games, they're starting to the bowl, like, especially in Adelaide, with was bowling big in swingers up my pads. Um, against India in the World Cup semi-league lefties, bowled a big in and blew me pad off because my <laughs> head was over there. Um, at the end of the day, if my head is down the wicket in line with the stumps, my game's in a good spot.
0: And it, it's like, it's always little things. With the very good players that we coach, it's always little tiny things. Whenever Teague sort of comes back and hits with me, say after a, a month or so, he's been out or busy or whatever he comes and as a hit, it's just a little thing. And having known his game since he was young um, and worked with him for some time now, I can pick up little things that others might not. So it's never anything huge. It's never anything dramatic. It's just like his head's slightly outside his feet. We try and get him a little bit more lined up and all of a sudden he accesses his on-drive again. And, it's and all stuff. very similar
1: stuff. I feel like, especially with where my game's at at the moment, over the next 20 years, it's always going to be the same three or four things that I'm just going to have to keep maintaining to make sure I can access down the ground.
0: Yeah, yep, exactly. And, and then a lot of things as well is just having conversations about how he's feeling and, and where his mind's at. And um, We did a few drills uh, probably early season where we were trying to get his front foot and his feet crossing over a bit more to access the leg side rather than opening up. And, and that sort of, he picked that up really, really quickly. And that's, that's um, one of the great things about, about Teague is he, he takes things on. He's willing to sort of be challenged um, because I think a lot of coaches do just say, well done, well done. That's really good. You're going well. And you're never really getting good quality feedback to get better. So he's willing to be challenged. He's willing to be challenged in season as well. He's not scared to make, small adjustments or changes with a game two days away if it's going to help him be better in in on saturday or even beyond that but also another big thing that i want you to talk about is how you've changed your emotional sort of intelligence your emotional controller i know that when we used to hit and you'd nick off or you get out you'd yell and you'd get really angry and that was coming from a place of you hate to get out you still do yeah but today for example a couple of balls stayed low and nipped in you got knocked over once at the up at the wacker and you sort of like, well, you asked me a question about your head or your technique and then you sort of like, well, well, knock the stump back in and, and moved on. Like that's something you've consciously worked on, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, when it comes to that stuff, as I said before, it's like I'm just trying to control what I can control. I can't control that a ball back of a length nips in and blows me shin off or does anything like that. What I can control is getting into a good position and trying to groove my technique to allow myself 99, 9, 99 times out of 100 to hit that ball. Um, I used to get really frustrated, as you said, when I got out. You know, I used to bloody hit the sidewall and get frustrated. But at the end of the day, that's just wasted energy, to be fair. There's no point in dwelling on it. Um, the only time I'll kind of get frustrated... I got really frustrated after that that semi against India because I knew the way he was going to attack my... with What he was always going to do was try and blow my pad off. And I trained it all week. You know, hit so many balls. I got to learn coming around the wicket with a swinger ball just throwing them in at me pads. Um, that's the only time I'll get really frustrated when I've been working on something. I know they're going there and I still go back to an old habit. But that's just the
0: nature of cricket and us being human beings. You can sort of... You can see a wronging, or you can see a slow ball, but it's always the ability to still play it. It's one thing to pick it and know what's going to happen and it wasn't a problem-solving thing for you. It was a technical thing and it's something yeah. we were speaking about prior to. You knew but you just got slightly across. And, and to your in your defence, the ball before was a wide, it sort of slid across you, and there could have been a slight sort of temptation to sort of think he was going to go across you, but it was probably the ball you'd least likely get early in your innings, wasn't it? Like full, fast, and swinging back at leg stump. If it was middle stump, you would have hit it. Yeah, Your bat was so close to getting a little inside edge on it, but it was swinging into middle stump, and it was just... But again, it's just something you'll review, and you'll, you'll keep working on. But as you said, it's mm-hmm. what we'll probably have to work on for the next 20 years.
1: I,
2: I just, I enjoyed there just hearing how he prepared for that exact thing. He knew what, what yeah, he worked out what how he was most likely to um, get dismissed and, and what their bowlers are going to try and do. And then that's how you problem solve um, heading into, or well, you can do it into any game really, but um, that's that's a sign of um, someone that really is hungry. and And thinking about the game as well.
0: Yeah, thinking about what's going on. And just, yeah, trying to find solutions before the problem's, Get them out. Um, now, what's next? What does the winter look like? There's obviously two Sheffield Shield games that we're hopeful you'll be in and around. Potentially um, three. Potentially three if there's the final, obviously. Um, you got got 100 in grade cricket. Tell us a bit of, actually, before we jump ahead, tell us a bit about your 100. You came back, again, talk about expectation. You came back from a fantastic World Cup. Your only game of grade cricket, the final game of the season after you got out of quarantine. The season got brought forward a bit due to COVID. Um and you're coming up against Scarborough, who had Lance Morris, WA Fast Bowler, who bowls Rockets, and AJ Ty, Australian Fast Bowler, two of the best bowlers in the state, one of the best bowlers in the country. Tell us a bit about um, that experience. And you came out, you got 108 not out, you chased down 230 in the last over.
1: You handled expectation pretty well that day. It was a bit of a funny game, actually. We um, lost a the toss, they batted first, which I thought was a bit of a... I thought it was the wrong decision on that wicket to, to bat first. It was a bit slow, a bit poppy. I thought with their pace attack that they probably would have had the better of their conditions bowling first, especially at our top order. And I bet you were happy when they bowled first because you're, you're like Coley. You yeah, absolutely love, love a run chase. Funny though. you say that. The last 10 games of cricket I've played in, we've won one toss, and that was against Scotland. So literally, we have I have chased nearly every game, the last 10 or so games. Um but they batted first, got 220, 230, which I thought was a competitive total. They probably left 20 or 30 out there. Um, but to go out there and I knew if I got through the new ball that I probably wasn't didn't really feel like I was going to get out, especially at that stage. Um, Lance was bowling genuine rockets, probably mid 140s trying to hit me in the head. Um, but that just gets in the contest. I love facing quick blokes who were trying to hit me because it's just gets in the contest, gets in the fight. Um, but to be able to face those guys in grade cricket, it's an awesome experience. It's, you know, the, at the end of the day, they're some of the state's best bowlers. So to be able to go out there and make runs against those guys, it's probably my best hundred, I reckon. Um. And when you're facing a Morris or a
0: Ty, you've you've seen Ty play on TV. We met him in India at the IPL when we were yeah. over there. He sort of, do you sort of just try and play the ball? You don't. You, is that I know this, but to, for our viewers, is it all about just? staying present and reacting to what you
1: see? Play the ball, 100%. Um, sometimes it's really hard when you know... The one that probably plays with me the most is is Lance. Yeah, It's just because he's bowling so fast and everyone's got this big aura around, yeah, Lance bowls wheels, Lance does this, rata rata. But at the end of the day, a half volley is a half volley no matter who bowls it. So I just try and play it. and He doesn't bowl many. <laughs> more, yeah, <laughs> more, more, more wide if he, yeah, he yeah, does yeah. miss. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. The HV's a HV no matter who bowls it and I just try and get in a good position no matter where it where it's bowled.
0: Yep, very good.
1: One thing I like I just
2: keep noticing is the simplicity in Teague's thoughts on the game and um I'm not saying you're a simple-minded player or anything, but I think that's as it's just uh, yeah, just sees the game for what it is and um
1: Keeps does keep it in perspective, like you said. One, and I of, the, think one full, of the best sayings I've heard is sometimes the most complex thing is to keep it simple. Yep. Very Correct. Good.
0: And I think full credit must go to, to Johnny Wiley, who's brought up these two fantastic young cricketers, not just Teague, but also Georgia and, and Marnie as well. But Johnny being the cricketer, he sort of taught Teague his fundamentals um, and is probably the, is his number one mentor, the biggest influence on his life. And so... Um, a lot of credit has to go to Johnny for not just the technical coaching he gave Teague at a young age. Um, so although I've done a lot with him over the last five years, Teague, sort of when I first saw him as a 13-year-old, his technique was in an exceptional um, place at that point. But also the sort of the foundations both John and Marnie have given him um, as a person and as a cricketer um, and his mental skills as well. So full credit to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a big, big part of it. Um, so Teague, what's, uh, tell, as I sort
1: of alluded to, what's next for the winter? What does the winter look like for you? Um, pretty chilled out, pretty relaxed at the moment. I don't think I'll be going to Darwin or going to England or anything out of the ordinary like that. I'll enjoy my couple months off. It's been a very, very long season. I started hitting in May to prepare for a Darwin tour in July. So I've been pr- flat out since then. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to a break, but still training as hard as I can to hopefully prepare myself for the last two or three games if I get selected. And then when you say a break, what are you going to be
0: doing in your break? You're obviously going to be doing some coaching for us, yeah. a bit of some other coaching, going to the
1: beach, a bit of golf. What else does your time look like? It's going to be a very dull, boring two months period, but it's what my body needs after being flat out for 10 months. Um, a lot of golf with a lot of mates. Um, my, my 18th birthday is in that two month period where I'll be having a break. So I'll, um, I'll enjoy that. A couple <laughs> of alcohol think again waters. <laughs> yep. kept yeah, couple, couple beverages, couple cold waters. Um, but yeah, not much really. That's probably out I reckon. Nah, missing leg.
2: Something. No doubt you'll be drinking more Coke flavored slushies He's walked in here with the biggest slushy I've ever seen. So, uh, I lost my after, slushy
0: virginity with Teague just before he went After away. a whack yeah. of
2: training, he's walked in here and just demolished it. So
0: Well, that's it. let's talk about that for one second. When we went to India and, and when I first met you, your diet was horrendous. You lived off chicken schnitzel and pizza shapes. <laughs> Now barbecue, you've added barbecue in. Barbecue shapes. Bar- sorry, barbecue shapes. <laughs> I got it wrong. But you've, you've now progressed. You, you eat a bit more. You eat Nazi goreng and a few other things. <laughs> tell us a bit more. Tell us a little bit and give people a little bit of insight into how your diet's progressed
1: over the years. It's always had Coke slushies involved, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't reckon I'll, I'll ever really get the Coke slushies out of my diet as much as I try. I, um, I am a bit of a fiend for them. Um, but my diet has expanded a lot. I pretty much lived off sausages and apples for like the first 10, year, 10 years of my life. <laughs> apples are good. I <laughs> love a good apple. I love me fruit. Um, I went on a, a school trip to Canberra in year seven. We stayed at the AIS, which is like the Institute of Sport over there. So they had big buffets every night. And as you know, it was all healthy food, like gourmet. And I just basically lived off Vegemite on toast. I, I broke my record that I had 14 slices of toast in one sitting, so that's my that's my record. Um, but I just come back and I was like, I can't do that again. So I had to expand my diet and I've branched out and found a few things that I, I do like. Yes, well, diet's a,
0: a very important thing. Young athletes listening to this, make sure you're eating well, eat for fuel, don't just eat for enjoyment. But yeah, what a fascinating insight from a very I don't like the word talent, as I've said many times. A highly skilled, a highly motivated um, and very thoughtful young man who it's been a real pleasure to be a part of. I've been sort of singing his praises for the last five years and now I look forward to taking a bit of a back seat and being uh, available whenever needed and watching him hopefully continue on his merry way for many, many years. So Teague, thank you for that wonderful insight. Hopefully our viewers and uh, listeners got a bit of value. No doubt they
2: did. Now, Moving into performance... Performances of the week and among the uh CM community we've got Ethan Smith who's turning into a fine player he scored a 109 not yeah. out um for Willis in under 17s that's his second 100 in a bit like a few weeks isn't it I think and he's ended up finishing or leading the runs in the under 17s comp by a fair margin yeah um, yeah big so Ethan just
0: getting his numbers up now he, he scored
2: over seven hundred
0: runs, he scored three over three hundred runs more than the next best. He averaged fifty six. He's seven hundred ninety five runs, averaged fifty six point seven nine. And one of those innings, he had to retire after he made a hundred to get over the second grade. So he probably would have, oh, well, he almost certainly would have topped eight hundred runs. Huge, huge season from Ethan. And I said to Teague a couple of days ago,
2: I think he's going to be a um, a very good player. Another, he's, another fine Kent Street cricket uh, product as well. So yeah, on the honest board
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I he's not. Know, not yet. Reckon. He's not. So he's, they're playing. I think the next either today or early next week. So he's probably not far away from the honors board at Kent Street. But he's doing some great things for uh, for Willardson Cricket Club now. Corey Sweetman, <coughs> who is one of a young fourteen-year-old uh, who absolutely loves tea, got a man crush on tea. He's doing some great things. He got sixty-five not out of eighty-two balls on the weekend against Centurions. He and the other opener um, got him. Home, they chased the score of 130 odd down um, to win by 10 wickets. That's backing up 66 not out of 83 balls the, the game before. So almost a mirror image at 65, 82, 66 of 83. He's doing some great things as Just a 14 year old.
1: Not outs. Not
0: out. I love not outs. So do I. As soon as I see kids get not outs, they go up in my up in my face. That's book. exactly what I've been saying to him and and us all, both. innings I've said to him. You know what I love, and he goes not outs. It's because I've been <laughs> telling him exactly that. I so not outs are so good. Exactly, good for his average, good for your numbers at the end of the year. So he's doing incredibly well and. Just to mention to, to Georgia Wiley, who we've spoken about a bit, and Molly Healy, two CM athletes who are playing for WA at the moment, um, we've got the cricket on, it's very, very exciting watching those two very young, inexperienced um, girls play for WA and the WNCL, so super proud of them and, and can't wait to see them continue to progress and develop. So, No, it's great to see, isn't
2: it? Um, great for, great reward for all their hard work, getting this such a good opportunity. So, um, but. Moving into our final segment, and this is something that skulls just simply can't send a nail. Um, I don't know what he doesn't understand, but last week he his prediction, um, he predicted that, who was it? New Zealand. Zealand. New Zealand are winning the Women's World Cup. Which and they still probably will. Which they, there's every chance, but that's, what, three weeks away at least? So, um, yeah, he's, he's just ruining this whole thing. But um, I managed to predict that, the test is the, to be a draw Test to be a draw That was a tough that's one That's the easiest point I
1: don't know <laughs> I know That's what I said
2: to him last week He was like Oh go out of the limb mate No <laughs> you never know With those games If you expect the, pitch I can to say be the, next, the next test There will definitely be a result Yep I think that's safe to say <laughs> um, But so Yeah It's 3-2 currently With one pending few goals And Now it's time to uh, Make another one I th- We're going to Simplify the rules For you even more Let's just pick who's going to score the most runs for Australia in this second test. In the next test, we'll say, Should we say combined? Innings? First innings. First innings, alright.
0: Oh, or do I you want to go total? No, go combined, go combined. Total runs. Yep. Okay, total runs, I'm going to go... Um, well, Teague, you're our guest. You get to go first. We can't say the same thing. Teague, who's going to score the most runs across the
1: two innings for Australia? Well, I'm going to make a bold prediction. If, if we're If I'm in this segment, I want to get a point. So I'm going to say... Throughout this series, Cam Green will get his first Test 100. As he um, go, That's, that's my guess. I won't put on a who's going to get the most runs, but I'm just going to say Cam true. Green will get his first Test 100. Another hundred. one that doesn't get the rules. You know, yeah, no, that's all right. Never mind That's a special guest. The he test can, starts tomorrow.
0: Mate. He can make his own rules. We're ha- I'm happy with that. Two tests to go for four innings, maybe. I'm going to say it, it's got to be someone in the top order because yeah. the, the new ball's the best time to bat. And they potentially like in the Pakistan he's only the openers better so you it sort of narrows it down a bit. I'm gonna go safe
2: and do a reading and say Warner. Oh, interesting. Because I was thinking Kawaja with the oh, opening partners. Ah, I, I think Kawaja's. Um, he's always got a lot of time against the seamers um, and look didn't look as rushed as that the effortless. likes of David Warner did with the shorter balls and, and that sort of thing. So and Kawaja's game against spin has he's, just evolved, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, he's. Is very very good against spin and um, really trusts his his all his options. In well, we speak about safe. sweeping. He's sweeping when reverse sweeping. is exceptional, sweep. isn't it? Yeah, he got out for his ninety six or seven. It was with with the reverse sweep, but that's it probably something probably a bit of slack for it. But he yeah. did six
1: or so for four before that. Yeah, yeah I think
2: uh, yeah. Again, you got to look below the surface on that one, and it's it's what got him to ninety seven.
0: And that to me is like players. <laughs> In, you need context, because it's easy to look at him play reverse, but get out and go, oh, what a silly shot. But if you don't know that that's one of his best shots, it's something he practises, it's something he's hit six or seven fours from previously, well, yeah, you might say stop playing that, but that's a silly comment given how well he plays that shot. So often you need context when you see someone get out, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I don't think it's going to stop him
0: um, from playing. Well, sure. that'll uh, that'll wrap us up for this show. Let's just check the score. New South Wales Blues, none for 40 off 10.3 overs. So they need 186 from about 230 balls 10 weeks in the end. They should probably do that, but you never know. Runs on the board in the final. WA are very, very good at defending.
2: So Was there a grinders
1: club inductee today?
2: No, no inductee today, but um, well, I'm just waiting for the, the right option. We don't want to give out too many. Yeah, we can't give out too many easy caps. No, no exactly.
0: Reedy might have to consult you for the next person in the next few weeks we haven't done one for a couple of weeks because there's been a bit of a lull um we need the right the right person the right innings to pop up before it's pretty much white ball cricket and yeah tests are
2: rolling through might get someone now
0: yeah excellent well teague george's brother thank you very much for joining us today um just 17 years of age 18 next month um Maybe we'll have to smash some cake on his face again for his 18th birthday, like we did in India for your 15th birthday. Um, one of the great videos that we might have, give that a run. Ready <laughs> was like a bouncer at night, kicking me back. Yeah. <laughs> that was high class. That yeah. so we probably stitched you up there, which would be one of my great memories on your plan for Australia. But thank you very much um, for your insight, for your time, and we are very very excited to see what the next few weeks hold for you with some potential Shield cricket. Um, potentially if you get in the side and they keep going well, a Shield final, but that's still a long way away. And, uh, and then beyond that, um, the world is your oyster and we're really proud of what you've done. It's been such a pleasure to sort of the whole Cricket Mentoring community knows you and supports you and, and has followed your journey over the last five years. So good luck, Chum, and uh, yeah, very much look forward to the next part of your
2: journey. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Golzi. Thanks, Reid. It's been a pleasure. I think it is important to just yeah, take the time to really thank Teague for being sort of the face of Sam in a way that has been the, the character that everyone has grown to love. Um, not so much you or I, but um, yeah, I think we, we definitely owe him a lot for the time he gives us and um, hopefully it's just the beginning. And it's it's so nice that the 13 year old that was on Skull stories and said,
0: G'day legends, it's team here. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that sort of, we've got thirty, nearly thirty videos on YouTube of him. He's the kid that's gone on to play for Australia in the World Cup, and everyone has followed your journey. Um, and, and that's why people are so invested in T because they've seen his progress and development. And I was really, oh, nice bit of fielding by Georgia. It's I was, um, I was really hopeful that you never know how these things are going to pan out, but I was really hopeful. When I sort of started working with him, that this kid could go all the way, and I wanted to document his journey because I think it'd be a nice thing to have to look back on when you make your test debut, hopefully, and maybe when you finish your career, this journey from a thirteen-year-old, and and yeah, you have embraced it um, so well, and you're always very open to filming our net sessions and our conversations um, coming well, on these sort of things.
2: Hopefully, and we haven't cooked you too much and given opposition players too much to. Um, know, there's plenty of footage info. out there that they can yeah. they can look at, but um. It's it's also held you in some
0: good stead. We've had these conversations where you when you were young and you first came into grade cricket, you get sledged by everyone about cricket mentoring and shop boy, and and it didn't ever faze you. But that was also a good part of your learning and your development. But yeah, just want to echo Reddy's sentiment there and say thank you. Um, it's been great to have you on the journey and help us grow as a brand and business cricket mentoring. So. Well done on everything. It's the least I could do for all the time. you have invested in me, so it's still all I can do. Thank you, mate. Well, I hope you've uh, enjoyed the show, Legends. Reedy, enjoy your weekend off as always. (laughs) Don't have too many beers. Um, And uh, cheers, guys. Hope you have a great weekend, and and we will see you next week. Cheers, Legends. Mm -hmm. Cheers.